Welcome to the ACO Show. Today's guest is Julie Sunderland. Julie is a managing director of Biomatics Capital, a $500 million venture capital fund that invests in companies that are trying to transform medical practice and healthcare delivery. Prior to this, she was responsible for strategic investments in global health and global development for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Biomatics Capital is one of Allidade's earliest investors, and Julie is on the Allidade Board of Directors. You'll hear her talk with Dr. Josh Israel about the role that private equity can play in improving medical care, some of the things she looks for when considering where to invest, and what it's like being a woman in the male-dominated world of investing. Enjoy. I'm very glad to welcome Julie Sunderland, who's a Managing Director of Biomatics Capital and a member of Allidade's Board of Directors. Welcome. Nice to be here. And how did you come to be involved in Allidade? Uh, Allidade was actually one of our first investments out of our first fund. So uh, we had, uh, my partner, Boris Nikolich, and I had previously spent about eight years within uh, the Gates universe. And as part of that, we'd taken a deep dive into uh, healthcare costs and the healthcare system, and looked at a bunch of companies that were innovating around that space. And so, um, as we moved into our commercial venture capital fund and starting that up, uh, Biomatics Capital, uh, we actually had I- identified Allidade early and made uh, an early investment into Allidade. And I know that one of the things your fund tries to do is invest in companies trying to solve problems in healthcare. Yeah. What's the problem that you see Allidade trying to solve? You know, so I think Allidate is one of the most innovative models around really, you know, on the ground delivery. So um, if you look at trying to, um, you know, deliver better outcomes for patients at lower costs, we have to figure out how to use tech to do that. And so Allidate's combination of characteristics, which includes, you know, this incredible data and technology platform, but very much integrating that with what primary care physicians are doing on the ground, uh, giving them the tools that they need to better manage their their patient populations, giving them the data that they need to understand where the costs are in the system and how they can take that out while really delivering better care to patients is is what is, you know, that sort of integrated system model rather than just one specific innovation is the thing that really attracted us to Allidate. I think most of us that came to work here were both very attracted to the idea and also at some point had a conversation with our CEO, Farzad, who looked us in the eye and told us this was going to work and Next thing you know, you're working here. Yeah. When you're looking at companies, how do you put the balance on the idea versus the people? Yeah. So one of the things, I think Howard Schultz, who was the CEO of, uh, who was the CEO, he was he, running for president now um, with a, a complicated factor. Mm-hmm. But I, as, a, as a businessman, one of the things that he said was, um, you know, strategy is really important. Execution trumps strategy. And culture is the factor that actually drives really strong execution. And so when we look at companies, you know, strategy is really important. So whether it's a new technology or whether it's a new business model, you know, understanding that strategy and making sure that it's sort of it's sound is an absolute critical factor. Um, but what we talk about doing a lot is how do you wrap great people around great science or great technology? And you know, for us, you know, the more that we've done this, the more we've seen the, the patterns of what it makes a successful company in this space, 
it's always, always about the people. And so, you know, Farzad is a leader, but also the team that's behind him, including, you know, all of the people at Alidade, you know, that's been the factor and the execution that Alidade has done against that incredible bolt vision. And then the culture that they've built to uh, really support that strong execution is what has, what, attra- what attracted us in the first place was that bold vision with a great leadership team. And what has made us so excited about what Alidate has done over the past few years is that kind of fully integrated down on into the ground in terms of, of culture and execution. We've had some internal debate here, even when we were thinking about putting on this podcast, mm-hmm. do, you know, will we be giving away trade secrets or... Sometimes we will publish our work in academic journals, and the same thing comes up. You know, are we are we sharing proprietary information? And Farzad's take, which I've really become very convinced of, is that you could tell somebody else exactly what we're doing and how we plan to do it, and it's still all about the execution. That's the hard part. Yeah, I've been really struck by that. So you've seen that a fair amount. You know, one of my favorite things to do uh, is to go out in the field with some of the the Alidade folks. I've had a chance to visit some of the ACOs and some of the the doctors in the clinics on the ground uh, with the field staff. And it's it's what's amazing to me. So obviously we have this this incredible leadership team and we hear about it as board members, you know, on a quarterly basis. But what's extraordinary is how deep that goes uh, and that the field staff and the enthusiasm for this model and this approach uh, at the you know doctor provider level is as strong as that sort of bold leadership vision. And so that that particular translation down to to the to the field is, and to patients and to doctors is the thing that I think is really magic about Alliday. And what challenges do you think a company like Alliday faces? You know, what do you as a board member worry about? Yeah. Um, so there are some very technical challenges associated with ACOs, um, which we could go into in a lot of detail around um, one of the things that was concerning at the outset, and I think um, as we mature as a company, as Alliday matures as a company, um, is less of a concern, but still it's you can do so much good for patients and for doctors, but you need to get paid for it. Uh, and you need to have um, the return, you know, the, the payments for, you know, if you are reducing healthcare costs, you know, how do we get a, a share of that that is justified by the extraordinary work that we've done? So that has been a, a big dialogue at the board level, which is making sure that the ACO business model um, adequately um creates an incentive for Alidade as well as other ACOs to keep doing this wonderful work and really compensates the ACOs for that extraordinary work in, 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 uh, in delivering great outcomes for patients and lowering costs. So that's been a big concern. I think less of a concern now is we've really put some, some points up on the board in terms of, of both delivering those great outcomes, lowering costs, and uh, getting uh, the, the revenue stream uh, the the, sec- the the factor that I think that that we'll be concerned about going forward is how do you scale and grow, and especially when we get back to that uh, comment about how important the field culture is and how important the culture is throughout the organization, as you grow from sort of that scrappy startup with that bold vision into a very mature company, maintaining that energy, maintaining that momentum, maintaining that culture, I think it's going to be a really important factor. I heard someone say recently that in the U.S. we don't have a healthcare system; we have a healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, sort of depressing, but it, it makes sense. You know, there's not really anybody minding the whole store. There's just mostly a lot of individual actors, individual companies trying to maximize their own profits. You right. know, what are your thoughts on how much 
investing can do to to make the whole project better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's trying to tackle the complexity of healthcare systems, I think just blows your brain. So I tend to not try to, you know, and I'm also a person that um, is, you know, very much focused on impact and outcomes, but also believes that companies can be great factors, great uh, actors in driving great outcomes for whether it's in healthcare or elsewhere. Companies do great things in the world. And so for me, it's really about um, innovation and alignment. So um, I'm an optimist and I believe that if you can have companies like Allidade where you've got a set of incentives and structures that are actually driving innovation um, in a way that is both good for um, good as a company, it's you know generating, sharing in the healthcare costs, getting good returns, but is also doing great things for for providers and and for doctors and patients. Like there are companies that look like that, and there should be more companies that look like that. And sort of the the solution and the innovation of our uh, occasionally dysfunctional healthcare system, or often dysfunctionally healthcare system. You've got to have actors like that that can actually do both. And 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 I think that one of the things again I love about Allidate is this uh, combination of you know a great business that's driving really extraordinary innovation, both on the technology side, but also on you know at, at the field level in terms of improving workflows and um, you know reaching patients in really uh, innovative ways with you know a, a good company that's well managed and efficiently run that is going to deliver a return on return to investors which is you know I'm a VC so I need to get a return on investment. The Gates Foundation obviously does a lot of wonderful foundation grants um, when you are thinking about the best lever for change. Mm-hmm. You know how do you think about whether it should be private equity, it should be grant, it should be government? Where do you see it you know when you see a problem as the as the best force for change? Um you know I come at things not from a what's the best force for change, but what's the problem that you're trying to solve and what are the different tools that you can use? And when, when I think about it on a very cerebral level, you know, you've got different human institutions, creative human institutions with different incentive structures. And so, you know, companies have an incentive structure that drives a nimbleness and an innovation and, and attract uh, a certain type of talent. And that allows you to go do, you know, do a, a set of things that are uh, within that structure and that deliver sort of revenue and profit. And that's where you put investments to work. Other things you, you know, you, that you, you need government. If I look at the healthcare system overall, so much of what we need to, what needs to happen is on the regulatory side. You know, one of the things that I find um, a little amusing when you go talk to sort of pure tech investors and they look at healthcare, they say healthcare is an underpenetrated sector. Um, it hasn't been revolutionized by technology. We're going to Uber healthcare. Or we're going to Zillow healthcare. And I and then when you start to talk to them about the intricacies of it, or you take a company like Allidade and you show it to a tech investor, they're like, "Oh, that's a lot of government regulation." And I'm like, "The system is a you know it's one of the most highly regulated systems." In our, our, even though it's not, you know, even though it is a private system, it's still incredibly regulated. So having, you know, the government at the table in anything uh, on innovation in the healthcare system, it has to be there. You have to look at, at the role of government. Um, and then nonprofits can do, you know, wonderful things, um, you know, but they need to do the things that they're good at doing, which is a lot, you know, public goods and innovating around public good and uh, serving, you know, uh, populations and and populations that can't afford what other people can afford. So it's really thinking about what is the problem you're trying to solve, and then what are the institu- the creative human institutions that can best solve those problems. 
The best of biotech investments really can make a difference for people. You know, that's the goal. Do you have some examples of that that particularly inspire you and your work as an investor? Yeah, I mean, all of it does. So, um, you know, I spent a lot of time within the Gates Foundation very intentionally investing in things that were strategically aligned with some of what the goals of the foundation were as a as a as a biotech VC now. Um, I'm doing a very similar thing. I'm just with a lens on that's very much looking for for commercial returns. But, you know, one of the wonderful things about working in biotech and healthcare is that most of the scientists and the innovators and the and the entrepreneurs in that sector are very much driven by wanting to have an impact on health and on you know, patients and supporting doctors. And so, you know, working with them to figure out how do you develop an innovative new product or a new business model and uh, supporting them as they figure out how to do that, but in a way that does generate returns um, is uh, is a privilege. So, you know, it's hard to do things in a purely, you know, global health perspective with, with that entirely commercial mindset, but certainly within uh, within the biotech sector and within the U.S. healthcare system, you can figure out ways to build great companies that also are um, doing great things for patients and for doctors. I know that one of your investments is in Blackthorn Therapeutics. My background is as a psychiatrist, and it seems to me that while the diseases are so poorly understood and you know, what we call um, one disease state, whether it's schizophrenia or mm-hmm. depression, is composed of so many heterogeneous underlying issues. Um, as an investor, it seems like, how are you going to get a big return where, sure. uh, you know, most change seems to me like it's going to be in- incremental for a while? Yeah. So I think the the sort of the, the burden on the health system of mental health and the um, lack of historic innovation in the sort of psychiatric therapeutic area is a big challenge right now. It's something that I've looked a lot at and been really interested in. And so, I, you know, we have a investment hypothesis around uh, a couple areas, one of which is that um, taking kind of a brute force look at this. So let me step back. In oncology, one of what's driven a lot of innovation in oncology is that we've been able to take data, we've been able to take genomic data and understand characteristics of disease. So if you look at breast cancer, you know, a decade ago, it was breast cancer. And now if someone gets breast cancer, they get genomic profiling, you understand very specifically what that disease is and the genetic basis of that disease. And in fact, the genetic basis of the disease is what's driving therapeutic development and treatment. And where I think we can go on, not just on psychiatric disorders, but also just neurological disorders in general. So, you know, even within the degenerative diseases, right now our understanding of patient populations is very brute force. It's Alzheimer's, it's schizophrenia. But that's like saying breast cancer. Underneath that, we need to understand the, the science of what's going on in the brain, the biomarkers of what's going on in the brain, and be much more targeted in understanding those patient populations and then developing both therapeutics against those patient populations, running very efficient trials to serve those patient populations, and then being able to diagnose and have those tools to diagnose and support patients uh, to be able to get them the right care that they need. So it's a it's we're at a stage where we're beginning to generate the data, both in terms of genomics, in terms of, you know, mapping the brain, you know, some of the fluidics technology, in terms of data around patient behavior patterns through collecting data in the way that we interact with 
you know, whether it's phones or uh, other data sources, to be able to actually much more clearly understand those patient populations and then drive better therapeutic development. So if I look at Blackthorn, uh, it's a company, there are a bunch of companies out there that are looking at this from a purely data point of view. Uh, Blackthorn is the one that's taking that data and integrating it very actively into therapeutic development. Uh, And that's very exciting to me because it's hard to get you know, if we can develop a therapeutic combined with some of these data tools, then I think we actually can have a big nearer term impact on patients. Ultimately, I'd love to see us get to a point where we've got, you know, a foundation medicine-like approach where we can actually diagnose and better treat patients from a delivery point of view using some of this data and biomarker. That's still a pretty big if for psychiatry. Oh, it is. And psychiatry, I don't mean to insult you, but it's, it's a hard field to drive innovation in. And that's, I think, one of the things that we actually need to tackle, which is how do we get the thought leaders in psychiatry on board with a sort of more of a, 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 a cancer approach to understanding patients and patient populations and biomarkers and, and new, you know, new, new scientifically and data-driven view of these diseases. So if you have any ideas on that, I'd love to hear. <laughs> sure. Um, so it brings me to data. So Elodate is a company that tries to extract a lot of data from the system to make sense of it, to mm-hmm. present it to our partner physicians in a way that makes sense. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how to how to handle all the data bouncing around this fragmented system? Yeah, I think data fragmentation is one of the biggest limitations right now to innovation in the healthcare system. So when we've looked at a lot of companies um, in the tech-enabled health delivery, which is we don't like digital health. It sounds a little too app and techy, uh, so we call it the health uh, tech-enabled health delivery space. But you need that's plenty tech. <laughs> that is, um, and probably not very elegant. We need some branding folks around here to help us uh, make ourselves a little bit more accessible. But the ability to drive better outcomes with data is one of our core theses, and I think over the next decade we're going to see that within the health health system. The challenge right now is that data is super fragmented. So I. The, the fragmentation of data, of clinical data, clinical data in EHRs is so valuable, so valuable to, we've got actually got another company called Verona Health that's trying to um, aggregate um, EHR data. Um, Flatiron is another company that uh, aggregated EHR data from in oncology and uh, partnered with the foundation medicines and the pharmaceutical companies to really use that data effectively to both drive better therapeutic development, but also uh, workflow for for doctors. So, you know, the fragmentation of the clinical data is a real challenge. And this is where Allidade, by getting primary care physicians, by tapping into their EHRs, by combining that with claims data, by really understanding the dynamics of that data, and then using that to drive very effective tools for doctors. Um, it's it's you know it's it's a powerful use of that EHR data. Um, at 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 a certain point, we're going to need to integrate the EHR data with the Genetic data, image data, I think is really powerful as well. So there's a whole bunch of data sources. And uh, right now, I think the fragmentation is a limitation to that, which we need to figure out ways to, to overcome that. And, and Allidate is one of those ways to overcome it, which is to uh, you know, pull together a bunch of primary care physicians and, and have that data. Uh, I'd love to have the conversation, you know, what do we, you know, Allidate's using that data to drive a set of particular tools. I think it's interesting to start to look at therapeutic categories and figure out if there are ways to use that data uh, to innovate in other ways. Now, I understand from trying to catch up on your background uh, and how you got to where you are now that for anybody hoping to emulate your path, Uh. all they have to do is grow up on a a Canadian (laughs) farm without electricity until they're 12 years old and then go to 
uh, Harvard, Wharton, and Hopkins. So <laughs> sounds pretty straightforward. But yeah, yeah. any other advice you would share, in particular with women who are considering going into the investing field, which has been typically a, a male-dominated field? Yeah, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a, I have a background that I think instilled a lot of grit and a lot of forcefulness in my character, and I think that that's benefited me a lot through the course of my career. So I've, I've always been someone who it's, you know, you'd be unwise to try to speak over. Uh, you'd be unwise to try to oppress. I spent a lot of time as a young girl when I was eight. I was in charge of the, uh, the afternoon milking, and so I would have to. Uh, I was probably about 60 pounds, you know, trying to get huge cows into the barn. And so I learned very quickly to be uh, physically assertive and and, uh, learned how to boss people around. Uh, And that's served me well through the course of my career. Um, So the other factor is I am, you know, a woman in a a male-dominated field, and I own that. Um, You know, there are many characteristics of – so I'm both assertive, which is kind of a male characteristic, uh, but I'm also – I like to make connections with people. I have a lot of empathy. Um, and so using both of those characteristics and figuring out how to use what you have, uh, both to be assertive and make sure your voice gets out there, but also um, you know, make connections with people and, and create meaning in what you do. That's, you know, you need to use, use all the tools at your disposal. The other factor I will say is one of the things that I've really thought about over the last few years is we've had much more of a, of a dialogue around these issues uh, with the Me Too movement is um, I'm really thinking a lot about how to mentor and how to reach back. You know, I I think uh, having fought my way up through many years in an often male-dominated field, I've been very much focused on my own fight, and and I'm a like to get things done. So I don't, I tend not to think about gender at all. And I just tend to think about what do I need to do to, to get things done. Uh, and that's been my focus. And as I've contemplated a lot of the dialogue over the last few years, I've shifted from kind of that fighter mentality and the, we got to get things done to how do, how do we help each other? How do I reach out to my, my colleagues, my female colleagues and share stories and figure out how do we get things done together and how do I reach back and, and help, um, young women to develop that assertiveness and make sure their voices get heard and also to own their own um, their own uh, particular characteristics that may be more uh, female-oriented and use those to, to do great things in the world. Thank you for joining us today. Pleasure.